Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. Wendy Sellers here, the HR lady. Welcome back to our podcast series. Today, or this week, I should say, we're going to talk about the great resignation and how it's not new. It really isn't. It's a complete myth that the great resignation is new. But furthermore, what I really want to get into is what to do about it. You are going to hear from myself and my friend and co-host in this series, JC, and we are going to go over the myth from people are lazy and do not want to work to the fact that we have less people in the USA of working age. Uh, Also, we're going to openly discuss how people are fed up with low pay, no advancement and development, and quite honestly, being treated like a cog that is abused, hopefully not at your organization. And then the last two sections of uh, the podcast are going to discuss, you know, what can we as employers, as leaders, as HR professionals do about it? And then finally, which is super important, How do you get your executives to listen and take action? Let's jump in. Please, you get nothing out of today's session. Uh, Our podcast is please revamp your recruiting and interview process so that you're having these deep human conversations in the selection process. I know we're always rushed. Everybody's in a rush during recruiting because we needed to hire somebody yesterday. But let's hire the right person and not just a warm body, knowing that we have less people to choose from, as we just discussed in the, in the beginning of this podcast series. Uh, we need to make sure, though, that our organization is hiring people that have the same uh, similar mission or at least agree with and are on board with the company's mission. And then we need to tra- move that into more of a social connection so that we don't need to be best friends at work, but we should know our coworkers. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? Up to this point in the conversation, I'm with you 110%. I, I want to add to this, though, in that, you know, it, it's not just the IQ, it's the EQ, right? It's that emotional intelligence aspect. And if you're a leader that was dealt a, a, a set of cards and you're in a position where you, you're you inheriting a workforce to a degree and, and you've kept that workforce through part of the pandemic or, or you're inheriting that workforce now and you don't necessarily have the opportunity to vet the employees and, and choose who your new hires are. It's going to take just a touch extra of that emotional intelligence for you to be that strong leader to come to the table that is vulnerable, that is willing to not just proverbially, uh, proverbially open, open the door and say it's an open door policy. Come talk to me anytime, but actually take hours out of your week to, Get to know the people, make that human connection, build that bond, do what Wendy's talking about, establish that social connection, build the trust between yourself and the workforce. So many other things are going to open up. I think that's that's that tipping point where people start to feel a little bit more valued, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, some of you that are listening today might be, you know, touchy feely type person and you're like, no problem. I'm going to go in and I'm going to get to know my employees. 
Um, but guess what? They may not be a touchy feely person and they may think you have an ulterior motive. Exactly. Um, which, exactly. Like, which honestly, we kind of do our ulterior motive is to have a better workplace so that our employee, our employees don't leave us. And so that we're all kind of excited to come to work, whether it's physically or virtually. Um, this, this survey or this uh, study that I mentioned in late 2021 by McKinsey and Company, uh, more information that they uncovered was 62% of the respondents of that survey reported a change in their manager over the past two years. Uh, 96% of the uh, contributors surveyed agreed that their manager has an impact on their well-being at work. And I, I could 100% say that, you know, you're oh, yeah. that I agree with that. You know, whoever your direct manager is, regardless of the title, title it might be team lead, supervisor, manager, director, but whoever your direct manager is, they have a, a huge impact on the employee's well-being at work. And if you your employee does not have a positive well-being, then they're not going to be in it to win it. They're not going to be you know in love with the mission, and they're certainly not going to go the extra mile. Um, <laughs> they're and- not even going to go one mile. or if they do they're going to go there as slow as humanly possible right yeah and and, you know so that was 96 percent said managers had an impact on their well-being 98 percent said that managers actually play a critical role in building an engaged and connected organizational culture and then the final thing i wanted to share with you on that survey is 42 percent of employees said that they have left a past job because of their manager that is so true oh my goodness i'm surprised it's so low to tell you the truth i yeah i know it it should it should be a little bit higher but keep in mind not everybody always um 100 tells the truth in in especially in exit interviews um hopefully this was a confidential survey and i'm sure it it would be so what you know what would how would you get to know you're starting from today? How do you get to know your employees on a personal level? You know, what would you want your manager to talk to you about or do training on on their own? You know, I think one of the best things that could happen is your manager uh, takes you out to Chili's. Maybe he has a few cocktails with you, gives you that nice <laughs> wink and reassures you. No, I'm kidding. This isn't madman. That's nuts. So don't do that. But honestly, in a, in a real world scenario, what's been good for me personally, uh, let it be for the, the people that I'm, I'm working for or those who I am working with, depending on the culture and environment that I'm in, is actually just shutting the door. Let it be the, the virtual door saying, I'm on do not disturb or the actual physical door closing that door and just talking, talking about it all. Start if, if the person is a bit more business oriented. Let's start with the strategic plan and the mission. Let's let's go a little bit further on this and see where your thoughts for the future are compared to where I'm at. Let's reassure right. that we have that that bond, not just in the way that we get our work done, but in the way that we could think about the future of work or where we're headed together. Have a yeah. firm base of communication and understanding and and knowing that I could bring something to the table and talk to you. And it's going to stay here between us. Kind of like those employee right. surveys. You never know who yeah. file them, right? You never yeah. know. It's yeah. always anonymous. Exactly. 
I would advise anybody if you're doing any employee surveys, um, maybe get an external party involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do that for quite a few of my clients because it, it's just, it's a perception. And, and unfortunately it is also a reality where uh, bad leaders, um, which of course is nobody listening to this podcast, but where bad leaders do re- get into the spe- specifics of the survey to try to figure out who said what. And that's not, that shouldn't be what the survey should be about if you're surveying people. I wanna talk a real, real quickly about the, the survey that I mentioned, the McKinsey yes. one. Yes. In that survey, uh, the employees said, these are the skills that we want our managers to have, and then we will stay. We will we will have a good Ooh, relationship. Uh, fifty seven, yep, fifty seven percent said communication was at the top. Communication, communication, communication. Thirty seven percent said developing me. So developing me and my coworkers is at the top. So do something to help me continue being successful. Doesn't always mean I as the employee want to climb the ladder. I want to continue being successful in my job or in my department. And then the the third one was 30% um, said motivating others. So oh, not only huge. develop me, communicate with me, develop me, and then motivate me to want to help other people. Yeah. And, you know, I want to, I want to stop right there. We were talking about training and development. So many times managers, um, HR, everyone, they get caught up with the training and development. They think that Oh, people just want to be trained and developed because they want a promotion. Um, but we don't have any room, more room for that. You know, maybe we're a small organization. We have a small org chart. We don't have anywhere for them to go. Uh, if that's the case, please don't hold back training and development because they're going to leave you anyways. Then. <laughs> they're <laughs> right. probably more likely right. to stay because you've trained and developed them, even though you can't give them a fancy new title or a giant raise, you're still investing in them. Worst case, they leave. And then they come back later on when they've learned even more somewhere else. And they said, you know what? You're a great place to, to work. I'm going to come back um, after I've been somewhere else. And I am going to come back and continue working there. But we're so, we're so afraid of the unknown that we do nothing. So let's go deeper into that. I wa- I'd like to pin in on that with you. What can we as employers or leaders do? Is it as simple as getting to know the people as individuals? engaging, developing, providing ongoing feedback, develop leaders as leaders, not just supervisors, managers. Let's dig further on that, Wendy. What do you got there? Yeah, I would definitely encourage um, everyone to, I mean, this just sounds like common sense, but we know uh, common sense isn't common because it is actually a learned skill. Um, you know, getting to know your people is so, so important. Some of you might be saying, well, where do I start? You might be new in a role or you've been there for a while, but you just don't have a connection with your employee. First of all, don't make any assumptions that the employee doesn't like you or whatever it might be. I do a lot of training and that's what I was doing today with a client um, on personality styles. And so that's usually where I start because that's what I'm passionate about is I say, hey, new employee or new friend, this is my personality style. And this is how you could communicate better with me versus going, what's your personality style and how am I supposed to communicate with you? Wait a second, (laughs) wait a second, wait a second though. Can't we just, can't we just assume that based off someone's astrological sign? (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) no, absolutely not. Okay. We need to make sure 
you know, I've written a few books and in my books, I talk about personality styles. I talk about personality traits. So the styles I use is the DISC model, dominant, influential, supportive, and conscientiousness. And then I talk about, you know, um, introvert, extrovert, ambivert. But then I like to do a lot of training on generations and differences in age. And But you know, the bottom line is we're all humans. And you and I were just talking about how many uh, many people are moving across the globe, not just across the state or yeah. the United States. And so we're going to have people in our in our uh, workspace that aren't from our community and they're going to bring something different. And we have to get to know employees as an individual and not assume because of their, you know, astral not or their astrology or their um, birth country or their age that they are something. We have to stop judging people. And we really need to say, okay, I need to remove some of this bias. And the only way I'm going to do that is to get to know an individual on an, on a, you know, unique level, which means you're going to have to talk to them a lot. (laughs) Absolutely. You are individuals who share a common goal, but have differing viewpoints on how to achieve it are truly the best source of innovation and creative organizational solutions at the end of the day. In a workplace where people feel free to express their thoughts and opinions, they are more likely to believe that they are working in a place where they are valued and respected. And in their minds, they are accepted. Build those bonds. Build those bonds. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so it's just so, so important. If we were having this conversation 10 years ago, it was probably equally as important um, but we weren't in this great resignation area. And so I think a lot of employers just ignored it or said, yeah, 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 I'll deal with that later. Oh, the baby boomers aren't, aren't, aren't retiring yet. Yeah, 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 I'll deal with that later. And they, we as a society kept, you know, as a, a, a corporate society kept kicking the ball down the court of when are we going to handle these issues of um, paying people more, training them, developing them, making sure they they um, want to stay in our organization. Well, the time's here now. We have no more excuses. Uh, our excuse that I have heard it has been, I don't have the money to do that. I don't have the time to do that. And I, I'm sorry, that's not a valid excuse. That is just an excuse. If you don't have the time to plan your business, then maybe somebody else should be running that division or that, that business as a whole. Engaging, developing, providing ongoing feedback. Some things we talked about in the beginning um, sometimes at work, people make the jokes about there being like a work wife or work husband, or they have a best friend, or you may even run into a real tricky, uh, maybe even borderline EEOC situation where someone says, you're just like my son and they treat them very yeah. special. Right. But look, at the end of the day, having a best friend or someone who cares about you as a person at work is so critically important for you feeling like. You fit in. It really is. And when people have close working relationships, they're more likely to feel safe, secure, and cared for. Because of the people you get to interact and connect with, work then becomes a place where you want to be, not a place where you have to be. And that's where, in such a setting, you're more likely to be concerned about the work you do and the people that it then affects. So as a leader, it's very important to to pivot and, and reposition yourself even if it's you that has to be the one that becomes the person who cares about another person, or as long as it's perceived that way, especially if someone's feeling alone in the virtual world nowadays too, right? 
Yeah, it really is. It, it, it really, I mean, you've hit the nail on the, the head for, for everything that you just stated there. We have to, first of all, stop promoting people into leadership roles when they haven't been trained. Um, don't make any assumption whatsoever that some other company trained them. Oh, well, on their resume, it says manager or director. Hey, they could have just been keep getting promoted without any training. And then, and this is, I've seen this happen a lot. We, uh, HR, the hiring team, we don't ask the right questions in interviews, even of experienced managers and directors. And we just assume because they have this title that's on their resume that they know what it means to be a manager. They know what it means to be a leader, but they absolutely may have no idea. And so anyone that you hire onto your team internally or um, from the external uh, resources, make sure you, first of all, ask the questions, um, find out what their skills really are, and then put everybody through some kind of training that they pass, so to, so to speak, uh, what is required to be a leader at your company. Additionally, leadership doesn't begin with a title. You know, just because oh, somebody yes. doesn't have a, yeah, just because they don't have a management title doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to be a leader. I actually find that many leaders don't have a title, but they're leading employees in one way or the other. So, you <laughs> sometimes know, good, sometimes bad. So, some of the best executives you find out there are, they may even be perceived as one of the strongest leaders around. But if you look at their team, they may actually have like a number two, a number three, or even someone further down the chain, like a number four, five, six, seven, who's actually the strong leader on that team that helps promote managing up. If you're finding yourself in a position where on your team, you've got someone that has those natural leadership traits and abilities, capitalize on that. Use that to your advantage. Don't take advantage of the person by any stretch of the imagination, right? But this is this could turn out to be a great learning experience for yourself and for that all right let's take a pause here we're going to continue this conversation in our final section of this podcast series and also talk about how to get your executives to listen and take action so that you can reduce or end, preferably, the great resignation in your business. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast, brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.